Amen. First Timothy, starting at the sixth chapter. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a young preacher, young pastor Timothy. And he's just gotten done talking to him about the dangers of materialism. And it's in verse 11, he continues as he's concluding this letter to the young man, Timothy. He says this, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Then he says this in verse 12, Fight, everyone say fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. I take my title today from the 12th verse where he says, fight the good fight of faith. And I, with that, want to speak to you on this topic, the fight of faith, the fight of faith. Why don't you drop your Bibles, if you would, or gently place them on your seat. And if you would just raise your hands with me if you feel comfortable. And could you just pray a personal prayer that God would speak to you today, that he would uh, be a personal God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the presence that we have felt in this place. We know, Lord, when your presence moves in, it's got an opportunity for us to let our guard down, Lord, and be open to receive something from you. And so, God, I pray today that as the word goes forth, that it would, Lord, be a seed that would, God, take plant and root in our life. God, break up fallow ground, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would speak very personally to each one of us. Let my voice be the amplifier of heaven, and I pray that you would speak a very clear word to us today. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done, for what you're about to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you shake the hand of your neighbor, let them know how good it is to see them today, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. The fight of faith. It's called the Hall of Faith, and if you're familiar, it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. In it, Paul devotes the entirety of this chapter to introduce an oppressive list of heroes from the Old Testament. Men and women whose stories and accomplishment for God clearly stand out. People like Abel, like Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. And as you read through this list of individuals, it quickly becomes apparent as to why they are mentioned in this chapter. For these are individuals who had great exploits for God. These are men and women who changed the course of history. They, their actions were the catalyst for God's unfolding plan for humanity. Their lives were marked by the great and notable things they did for God. But what they did is quickly overshadowed by how they did it. For everything they accomplished for God, for every great thing that they did that is recorded within Scripture was done by faith. Hear me today. It wasn't 
It wasn't their skill. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't a perfect upbringing or a life void of failures. It wasn't due to perfect circumstances or conditions, but rather each great feat for God was due to an even greater faith in God. And it's because of that that the opening part of the scripture in Hebrews 11 and 12 says it was by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. You see, faith was the defining force in Abel's sacrifice. Faith was the reason Enoch never tasted death. It was faith that drove Noah to build an ark. I, I don't know, I, I just, when I preach, I like to wrap myself into the narrative. I like to put humanity on the men and women of God because I, I think if we're not careful, we, we read in Scripture and we make these people larger in life. Like for some reason, uh, they were able to do what they did because they had this superpower. But the reality is, is God spoke to Noah like he speaks to us. And, and Noah had to hold tight to that word that there would be a flood. And we don't have record that for the hundred or so years that he was building this, this ark and, and experiencing ridicule and, and maybe wrestling with his own doubts. We don't realize or hear that God once again spoke to him and confirmed it, but it was by faith he kept going. Because if God said it, he would be true to his word. It was by faith that, that Abraham was driven out of his comfort zone into the promise of God, walking from a familiar place to a place that God wouldn't even tell him. It was faith that was the guiding force in every decision made by Isaac and Jacob as they continued in the promise God gave their father Abraham. It was faith that stretched Moses in every stage of his life to eventually lead the children of Israel out of slavery. In every situation, in every circumstance, in every accomplishment, there was faith. Faith was the catalyst. It was the common denominator. I know you're hearing what I'm saying, but, but understand that faith was the thing that silenced every doubt and every fear. Faith was the thing that pushed them past the opposition of others. It was their faith in God. And I think as it was for them, we have to understand for ourselves that whatever we accomplish for God will be because of faith. It's not, hear me today, you may come into this room and say, I, I don't have many talents or abilities. It's not your talents or abilities that are going to define you in the kingdom of God. It, it isn't what you bring to the table or what you say you don't bring to the table. It, it isn't tied to your position, and it's not hindered by your past, but rather what you accomplish in the kingdom of God will be defined and demonstrated by your unwavering faith in God. Faith is what will take you when doubt tries to keep you. Faith is what will push you forward when anxiety and depression try to paralyze you and push you backwards. Faith is what's going to keep you pressing towards the mark when others tell you you're just wasting your time. Faith is what's going to silence every lie that the enemy would try to whisper in your ear. Faith is what's going to open the door of the miraculous in this community. It's faith that's going to have the gospel message of Jesus Christ go to every corner of the city of New Berlin. It's faith that's going to bring your last child or your backslidden friend back to the house of God. It's faith that's going to restore your marriage. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's our faith in God. But understand this about faith. I think Brother Reese did a great job, and he touched on it at the end. Faith is as much an attitude as it is an action. 
We have many people today that, that pray a prayer of faith. They, they, they say things and I believe. But if you believe, it affects your behavior. If I believe in something, if I believe in Jesus, if I believe in his plan for my life, if I believe that, that I need to make steps towards him, then it's going to be more than me just sitting and saying, yeah, I believe that. There's people that, 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 that sit in pews in churches, not in this church, not in, not in a church in this area, but churches, believe me, that, that say, I believe, but they have no action. And they come into the house of God, they, they hear his voice, they, they know what he wants for their life, and they walk out and just say, I believe it. I believe if he said it, he'll perform it. And he's saying, oh, okay, if you believe it, then you have to put some legs to it. My dad was in prayer one day, some 27, 28 years ago, and the Lord spoke to him and said, New Berlin is mine. My dad said, okay, I think God's calling me to start a church. And he could have just sat there and said, okay, God, I, I'm going to wait. Whenever the time is, is, is now, then you let me know. But he said, no, if God said it, he's going to do it. And so I need to start walking out. And so he started a Bible study in our home. And that, that Bible study expanded past our home. And then we went into a, a hotel. And then it went from the hotel to a school. And then God gave us a, a church of our own. And now 25, 26 years later, there's a thriving work in the city of New Berlin because somebody didn't just say, I believe it. But they started living it. They started walking in it. Our beliefs will always affect our behaviors. Hear me today. It's by faith that we respond to the gospel message and are saved. Brother Reese covered this. If you were in uh, the, the earlier uh, session today, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus said this. He said, it's for by grace you are saved through faith. So, so it's his grace it's the grace of God. It was, it was him robing himself in flesh and coming down and saying, I know the wages of sin is death, but I'm going to give you this great gift. It was all because of the grace of God that we have an opportunity to come into the house of God. But it's that grace that we respond through faith. We, we won't just say, I believe that. Yeah, I believe in what Jesus did on the cross. I believe in the gospel. No, if you believe it, you'll respond through faith. And, and Peter tells us how you do that. He says you need to repent. Of your sins. Repentance isn't, isn't merely just saying I'm sorry for something, but it's realizing that what you're doing is grieving the heart of God. And it's saying, I'm not going to just say I'm sorry with the intent to go back to it. I remember a long time ago I was in a church service and, and we had one of those old-fashioned Pentecostal services where people were bringing things and placing them at the altar. And, and, and you, maybe you've been in one of those before. If not, just let me paint a picture. People were, were bringing things that they knew weren't pleasing to God's CDs. And, and one man brought cigarettes, and he crumpled them up and said, no longer, and he threw them at the altar. And we all praised God, and we were thankful for what happened. But as people started to clear out the altar, he walked back down and, and just grabbed them and put them back in his pocket. You see, repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. It's saying, I, I know that what I'm doing is grieving your heart, God. And so as a result, I'm going to change the course of direction. I I'm going to abandon. I'm going to get rid of these things, these relationships, these things that I know grieve your heart. And I'm going to move towards something that is obedience, that is pleasing and acceptable unto you. But Peter said, don't just stop at repentance. He said, you need to be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We talked about that this morning, and if you didn't hear it, you need to go back and listen to it. You can hear exactly what that means. 
in the name of Jesus. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's evidenced by speaking in other tongues. If you have not experienced that today and you believe that God has that gift for you, today you can walk in that. And when this altar call happens today, if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can come down to an altar and God will meet you here. It's nothing I can give you. It's nothing pastor can give you. But the gift of God is for everyone who will. As many as the Lord our God shall call. If you need to be baptized, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's by faith that we respond to the gospel message and are saved. But it's also by faith that we respond to the word of God and live a life that is pleasing and acceptable unto God. Romans 10 and 17 says, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul writing again earlier in this letter to Timothy said this in Timothy first, or 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. He says, Timothy, you, you've grown up with this. You've grown up with the word of God. You've grown up going to places where you've heard it taught to you. You understand it, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine. What's doctrine? It's, it's what is right. So he's saying the word of God is the authority, not culture, not what the, 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 the political pundits say, not, not what some social media influencer said. No, he said the word of God is profitable for doctrine, what is right. He said it's, it's profitable for reproof. That's also what's not right. We have a lot of people who say this is not right, but they don't base it off of the word of God. This is the authority on what is right and what is not right. For correction, how to get right. And for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. You see, a life of faith doesn't look at the word of God as irrelevant or out of date, but rather as irrevocable and forever settled in heaven. And because of this, every action, every word, and every deed must be weighed and filtered through the word of God. Amen. A life of faith is marked not just by how we respond to the gospel message, not just how we respond to the word of God, but it's by faith that we pursue his will for our lives. And this is sometimes where it gets a little sticky. Hear, hear me today. God has a specific plan and purpose for each purpose for each person in this room today. Like I said earlier, it, it doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter what little you feel you bring to the table. God has created you with unique giftings and abilities. He's put talents within you for his purpose, for his plan. God told Jeremiah that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. And so regardless of how long or how short you lived for God, he has a plan for you. Regardless of what you've done in your past or how you feel about your present, he has a plan for you. Regardless of what you think of yourself, he has a plan for you. But here is how we usually come to a dead end because we tend to disqualify ourselves in this place. We, we can all agree that, that faith opens the door to salvation. We can talk about it and agree that faith is the thing that will lead us to living a life of obedience to the word of God. But somehow... Instead of walking in faith into our calling, we tend to doubt that God could ever use us. We sit in a comfortable pocket 
of, of what we think God could do with our life without releasing the limitations and saying, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do with it, I give it as a sacrifice unto you. And so instead of responding to the call of God, we resist it. Instead of responding by faith, we recoil at times in fear and doubt. Paul is getting near the end of his conversation on faith when he says this, the 32nd chapter of Hebrews 11, he says, And what more shall I say? For the time would not fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, also of David, Samuel and the prophets. I don't know about you, but when I read this, this verse, something just seems a little out of place to me. Now, now I understand why David's in there. I mean, David is known as a man after God's own heart. David did great things for the kingdom of God. David, David wrote psalms. He, he, he definitely had a devotion and a private life with God. I understand David. I understand Samuel. He, he was one of the most faithful prophets for God. I understand when I, when I look in the, the Old Testament and I see the life that Samuel lived, I can understand why Samson isn't here. I can understand Gideon. Gideon defeated 135,000 Midianite soldiers with just 300 men. Gideon did some great things, some crazy things. I, I, can, I can make an argument for Gideon and maybe even an argument for Jephthah and Barak because of the battles they won while judging Israel. But why Samson? Why is Samson contained in the hall of faith? Although none of these individuals were perfect, it seems when I read like Samson just lived from failure to failure. I mean, some of these guys would go from faith to faith to faith, and, and, and then they would mess up, and then they would just bounce right back in faith. But, but Samson, it, it just seemed like he couldn't keep out of trouble. He, he was careless with his Nazarite vow. As, as a very young child, as a baby, before he was even born, the angel of the Lord spoke to his parents and said, he's going to have the Nazarite vow. He, he's not going to cut his hair. He's not going to drink any strong drink. He's not going to come in contact with a dead body. And Samson, he, he obliterates the vow in all three things. He walks in the vineyard. He, he takes honey out of a, a, a dead lion and ultimately cuts his hair from failure from, to failure. He was oftentimes more led by lust than he was faith. His God-given strength seemed to be used more to get out of trouble. It was his get-out-of-jail-free card than for God's purpose. And God can use our failures for his purpose. You see, we define Samson by his failure. We, we teach children in Sunday school what not to do because of Samson. We, we talk about his covenant and, and how we can't be careless with a covenant that God has given us. And, and I've preached that before. And, and we'll look at him as a poster child for failure, but the scripture says he's a poster child for faith. And when we identify him in failure, scripture identifies him for his faith. And as we look at the end of his life, we can get a peek into maybe why. Judges, the 16th chapter and the 28th verse, it says, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may be with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistine for my two eyes. Samson took a hold of the two middle pillars, which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. 
Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. Although Samson lost his physical sight, there was a moment where he regained his vision. And, and although he fell, and although he lived a life that sometimes was more identified and characterized by failure, in the end, Samson realized who he was. He realized his purpose. He realized that I've been given an opportunity, and I've been given something so great in my strength. And although failure brought him to this place, failure, let me say that again. And although failure brought him to this place, faith wouldn't allow him to stay there. Hear me today. Don't, don't allow your failure to speak louder than your faith. Failure says God can never use you again, but faith screams even louder. He's not done with you. Failure may knock you down, but faith says get back up. Failure may try to paralyze you, but faith will be the thing that propels you forward. We don't walk by failure, but we walk by faith. We don't live by failure, but it says the just shall live by faith. A righteous man is not defined in his fall. He's not defined in his failure, but a righteous man man, though he falls, gets back up. We're not defined in the fall, brothers and sisters. You may come here today and this last week may be one defined by failure, but it's what you do next for God. It's the faith that picks you back up and says, my child, I'm not done with you. You may have messed up, but I'm not done with you. You may have made a mistake, but I'm not done with you. You may be living in failure, but your faith is going to take you further than you could ever go. So let me tell you this today. Stop wrestling with your failure. Stop fighting with your failure. Stop struggling with your failure and instead start fighting with your faith. Samson exemplified what Paul said when he said, fight the fight of faith. Understand me today. Faith isn't easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying walking by faith is easy. We, we've navigated some things, my wife and I, that, that we didn't see the end in sight. It, it, it just seemed like it was dark days in front of us, but we knew what God said. And as a result, we could keep walking forward. That's because faith, it, it isn't easy. It goes against logic and common sense. Faith is a struggle. You may sit there today and, and feel like you're, you're weird because everyone else seems to have it together. No, we all wrestle with our faith. We all have moments where we sit in, in a room by ourselves and we look up and we say, God, what are you doing in this? It's a wrestling match between what I know and what I believe. It's struggling with what I've done and what I know I can do. It's something that always doesn't make sense. But when I wrestle with my faith, I understand that as the scripture says, I'm more than a conqueror through him. Who loves me? Hmm. My grandma uh, recently just passed away. She was 95 years old. We just had the funeral about two weeks ago. And uh, the day after she passed away, we were uh, with the family and found out that grandma had this book. I, I'd never seen it, but she called it her me book. And so we were sitting there just having a, a meal and loving on each other. And, and I sat in the corner and I began to open up her me book. My grandma came to the Lord in the, uh, the late 60s, and she, she began to write in her me book, she wrote in this, her testimony in 1972, and, and she talked about how when she came to the Lord, the, the journey that proceeded as a result of it. Grandma talked about how when she gave her life to Jesus, how all of her friends abandoned her. 
We talked about how I would go and visit my sisters, and when I would come to the house, my sisters would leave. When I would start talking with them, they would say, don't you bring your Bible with us. She talked about the, the physical abuse her husband put on her because of her faith. And at the end of, of, of explaining everything she went through in her book, she said this statement. She said, if Jesus could die for my sins, it seems like a little sacrifice to not walk through this and give him everything I have. And, and Grandma, six months into being a Christian, found her purpose. She said she was in prayer one day in her me book, and she said, the Lord spoke to her and said, Mary, you're a teacher. If you knew my grandma, my grandma grew up on a farm. She, she, she wasn't a teacher. That wasn't what she liked to do. But because God said it, she said, I must have to figure out what this calling is all about. And six months into the church, she began, she bought a Bible study, Search for Truth. And she said, I began to write every lesson down. And I began to study it out because I knew if God called me to do it, I probably should prepare so that when he says I'm ready for you, I'm ready to teach Bible studies. My grandma in her lifetime taught many Bible studies. It was calculated at the funeral because of her Bible studies. There are over six churches that are established. There are over 15 licensed ministers that have received a calling and are walking in the calling because one lady said, despite my past, despite of how everyone tears me down in my family, everyone that's close to me has abandoned me, regardless of what they say, faith tells me I have to keep walking. Faith tells me that if he's called me to do it, I'm going to keep walking. And so this little frail lady, this little four foot ten lady would teach Bible studies and, and until the day she couldn't. In, in 48 years of living for God, she read the Bible through 45 years. And she would have done 46, but she couldn't because she was in the hospital. And she was so mad because she was so close. But the year came to an end. And she told my mom that year, she said, I'm never going to let this happen again. So I'm going to read more of the scripture so this never happens. When grandma was in her 90s and couldn't see, she would listen to the Bible. Because even though her body was giving out, her faith was saying, keep moving forward, Mary. Keep going forward. And until her dying breath, she continued to pray for her backslidden children. She continued to pray for her children that never came. Because she realized that until she breathed her last breath, that faith was the catalyst. It was the thing that would keep taking her forward. And so she kept wrestling with her faith. She kept struggling with her faith. She kept fighting with her faith. And we know all things work together for the good, Paul said. I can confidently tell you sometimes I don't see the good. There were sometimes Mary didn't understand what God was up to. So, sometimes my finite mind gets lost in the temporal and loses sight of the eternal. I look at what I see, what, what's taking place in this world, and, and if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm caught up looking at all that stuff, I can lose sight of what God is doing. But we know, he said, that all things work together for the good. This, this, is, this is at times a misquoted scripture because a lot of times we come down and we say, all things work together for my good. It doesn't say that. It works together for good. It's not always for your good. So that means when you're struggling with chronic illness, when you're struggling with, with, with a valley, when you're walking through the darkness and it doesn't look like it's good, God's saying, hang on, keep wrestling, keep pushing, keep moving forward because it does work together for the good. 
Faith is hoping for what I don't see. It's trusting in what I don't know. It's believing in what I hope to be true. People understand this today. The enemy wants to take your faith. The world wants to challenge your faith. The government wants to silence your faith. Failure desires to overshadow your faith. And culture wants to criticize your faith. And so our response must be, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Regardless of what happens out there, I'm going to make a commitment in here that I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep wrestling. I'm going to keep struggling. I'm going to make a commitment to God today that regardless of what happens tomorrow or next week or next month, I'm going to keep fighting the fight of faith. Why don't you stand with me all over this place? Fight the fight of faith. It would be the last letter he would ever write and somehow he knew it and I'm sure this wasn't how he pictured his ministry ending imprisoned for preaching the gospel of Jesus but there is no complaint or regret in Paul's tone before Paul is about to be beheaded he writes these telling words to the young pastor Timothy in a second letter some six years later the very one that he told and the first letter to fight, fight of faith. He writes this at the conclusion of his second letter. He says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. Then he says this to Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord righteous judge will give to me on that day not to me only but all who have loved his appearing today I, I'm not too sure the state of your faith I don't know if you're here today and, and maybe your faith is at an all time strong high level or maybe just maybe you're here today and you're, you're wrestling with some things you're struggling with some things Maybe this week or this year has really challenged, tested your faith. Maybe failure has been a loud voice that's tried to silence your faith. Today, if you'd be honest, it's a flickering ember of what it once was. I wonder if just all over this room, you could just close your eyes. Don't, don't look around. I wonder if you could just in your own creativity, picture eternity. I want you to envision looking into the eyes of the one who paid it all for you. Can you see it? And as you're looking at him, begins to open his mouth. He says those words that you so long to hear. Well done. Good. Faithful servant. In that moment, every struggle, all the pain and all the suffering, every hardship and every trial, every moment wrestling and fighting, the fight of faith will have been worth it all. So today, I wonder if you could step out of your pew and come down to this altar. And regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, would you make a personal commitment to God? Lord, I am committing to fight this fight of faith. Would you say to him today as you come to this altar, God, I'm not going to give up. 
I'm not going to give in. Yes, you may be tired, but I want you to make the decision. I'm going to keep wrestling. I'm going to keep contending, God, for the faith. Your your situations and your circumstances may be shrouded in confusion and chaos, but, but today we're not looking for answers. We're going to make a resolute mind, commitment to him that come what may, God. I'm going to fight this fight of faith. No matter what tomorrow brings, God. No matter what happens to me, God. No matter what people might say, God. It's not about my emotions, God. It's about my faith. And so, God, I pray today, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would, Lord, baptize them with fresh faith. God, you know the condition of their circumstances. You know the things they're going through, God. But I pray right now, God, Lord, a fresh recommitment to this walk, God, this journey, God, that we will walk, God, by faith and not by sight. That it won't be about what we see, God, but about what we know. That you who started the good thing will see it through to completion. That, God, if you promised it, if you said it, God, you are not a man that you should lie. So, God, I pray today, help us, God. Strengthen our resolve, God. We love you, Jesus. That's it. It's not emotional. It's just a fresh commitment. It's just a made-up mind. to own.